This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome into another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Nitzel from ESPN Milwaukee, joined as always by Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm and Jay Hood, Mr. Money in the Bank himself from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And where we begin is Money in the Bank, happening this past weekend for the WWE on Saturday in Las Vegas. A number of different surprises happening, and somebody ends up winning the men's Money in the Bank who wasn't even in the match to begin with, he wasn't advertised for the match. He was thrown in last second. Uh, so by Adam Pierce. So let's begin there. Theory is Mr. Money in the bank. You guys surprised. What did you think of that decision? Well, I just know one thing. I just kept seeing something trending. It wasn't money in the bank. It was go away heat. The term go away heat. You talk about taking the air out of the building when Theory got up to that ladder and got that briefcase. People are just waving their hands in Vegas like, no, don't let this happen. And it happened. And so as, as we all bitch about WWE not doing something new and fresh, here's Theory, who's been pushed by McMahon, loses the U.S. title, and then was able to be money in the bank. I mean, I, I think that is new and different. If it's go away, heat, at least it's heat, because you don't get a lot of that in the WWE. So I, the choice of Theory being the money in the bank winner, Gabe, I, I, I got no problem with it. I just want to see what happens for the next six to 12 months. What does he do with it while he carries a briefcase? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a prop for the next few months. Like we've already established Roman isn't on TV. We know he's facing Brock at SummerSlam at the end of the month, but at least it's someone different. It's a 25 year old. Yes. They are cramming him down the fans throats. We've seen what happens when they do that. We've seen what happens with Roman and Cena and things like that but at least it's someone different. Like it wasn't Goldberg going up there and getting the briefcase. Like it was someone different. It's someone young. And as much as we criticize them, I think they deserve some credit for going that route. Is this to me, the more I thought about it after it happened and yeah, I mean the crowd, like you saw the crowd through the camera leaving just yeah. nah, screw this. I'm out. Like, I don't even want to see this. I am out. Like as he's climbing the ladder, you see people walking out. So I'm wondering if he's the guy that they feel comfortable with taking a loss because Roman's not given up the universal undisputed, whatever they're calling it championship. He's not giving up both belts. He's not going to give up either belt. It seems anytime soon. I doubt it happens before WrestleMania because it seems like they want to hold on to the dream of maybe we could get the rock and then we get rock and Roman for those championships. And until that is a hundred percent dead, they're going to hang on to Roman, even though that match clearly does not need a championship. So it, 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 when you look around and I mean, if Sammy wins it, well, you know he's going to lose, right? Like, there's no chance that he's actually ever going to cash it in. I mean, Seth Rollins, yeah, he could he could cash in, but if you're going to have Roman have it, you know, whoever's cashing in is going to lose. And it seems that theory, because he has the protection of McMahon, they could make him Mr. Money in the Bank, have him carry it around, lose to Roman at some point, and it's not going to damage him too much. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I, I think that... It's interesting, though, guys, the hype around Theory. Okay, it's McMahon picking Theory, at least going out to the ring with them and doing vignettes with them. Uh, I remember a time where Drew McIntyre was supposed to be the guy, too, and McIntyre had to leave the company to come back just to get over. You know what's really weird about the whole thing is that when I hear the parallel of Cena and Theory, I don't see that. I'm not sure where that comes from. I don't understand. I mean, Physique-wise, well, at least not now. I think that that's a difference. But the idea that Theory is Cena when Cena was that young, I don't see the parallel at all. I don't. I mean, I think he's just that cut and dry, like, plain, like, where Cena was the baby face. He's just a plain heel. You mentioned it last week. He doesn't do anything. Like, he takes selfies. That's his gimmick. Like, he's just a cocky heel. Like, there's nothing to him. There's no character to him. So I think, if anything, that's the Cena comparison. I feel like he can go more in the ring than Cena possibly, but like that's really it at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. The, the, the one problem I have with theory is I just don't know what his character is. Right. Like he's taking the selfie thing from Prince Pretty. So you're right. stealing something from somebody else, not really turning it into, you know, he's, I, I, I don't get behind the selfie thing. Like that's the only thing he has. 
And other than that, now he's just a smarmy heel who has Vince McMahon backing him up. Like, I, yeah. I just can't buy into his character. And that's, I guess, the biggest issue that I've got with Theory right now. But that, I mean, we've seen that. I mean, that did happen with Cena. We talked about it with uh, Raquel, in, you know, going into the women's money in the bank, where she's just kind of the smiling baby face, where she doesn't have like a character that she can really, you know, kind of dive into. That's what Roman was. They didn't really know what to do with Roman after he left the Shield. I mean, he was great as the muscle in the Shield on his own kind of just as this generic baby face, nobody got it, but you found a character as the head of the table. And maybe some people are getting a little bit tired of it now because he's gotten to that part-time role where he's not going to be on television, but he has been such a great thing for the WWE once they found that character for him. And, and that's the thing they have to do with theory. They have to find him a character that's going to be successful. Well, you mentioned him taking that loss. Is it him taking the loss to Roman trying to cash in? or whenever Cody comes back. They've shown they have no trouble having someone lose the briefcase. Like, just because you have it now doesn't mean you're going to have it, you know, a month from now. So, like, which way is he losing? Is it Roman, or is it, like, a Cody when he comes back? I think Cody wins the Royal Rumble. Yeah, oh, yeah. If, if healthy, sure. Absolutely. By, by the way, somewhere Prince Pretty is like, wait a minute, I had the selfie gimmick. How come I didn't get it? <laughs> He's looking, he's watching the show is like, wait, didn't I have a phone? Didn't I have a selfie stick? Wasn't I taking pictures? Wasn't it on the big screen? He goes, that guy completely stole my gimmick. What the hell? Uh -huh. He even so does the thing sometimes where he like lays in the rope. What's yeah. he, he just like, completely stole it. Just completely stole it. Well, you know Vince's mindset. The wrestling world doesn't exist outside of Raw and SmackDown. And that includes NXT. That's part of that bubble. It just doesn't exist outside of Monday and Friday. So the other thing they did at Money in the Bank is they got a fresh women's face. And the, the one complaint it seems that wrestling fans online have is the fact that like no woman is actually going to carry around the women's money in the brief bank, uh, money in the bank briefcase because they just cash in immediately. That's what they do on the women's side. They cash in night of like only one person's ever walked around with it. So Liv Morgan wins in the opening match. Go right right away. Cashes in on an injured Ronda Rousey and is now your new SmackDown Women's Champion. Thoughts on Liv Morgan as a new face and a new champ. Okay, well, I'm not going to go back on what I said last week. I still, you know, it's funny we talk about theory. I don't know who Liv Morgan is either. I don't know. I don't know who that. I mean, again, with Liv Morgan, short blonde that is perky and can wrestle a little bit, but I don't know anything about her. Thank God Michael Cole actually had a good call and tried to explain the journey that she went through with NXT to be able to come to the main roster. Ultimately, I still don't know who that is. Like she winning, and I saw her promo, and she was you know, jumping up and down, happy, just happy to be the champion and all that. And it's kind of like, okay, you. so this is a scenario where the championship has to make Liv Morgan because I don't know who she is otherwise. If, if you're going to put someone in a position to win a championship, usually that person is over. Is Liv Morgan over or, or did people just feel bad because she's been uh, underutilized for a long time in this company? Well, to your point about knowing who she is, I think Sunday was a missed opportunity to add to that character. Like, honestly, I would have had her lose to Ronda. And then all of a sudden that character is, she's little, she's trying, she just can't win the big one. And, you know, I think Carmella mentioned it a few weeks ago, like, why are you here? You don't win anything. So that adds to the character. Oh, man, I won Money in the Bank, and I still can't win the title. And, like, you just keep coming up short. That could have been an opportunity to sort of tell who she is as opposed to just, oh, she's smiley and now she's a champion. The one thing I know is that she seems to be popular within the WWE personnel. I don't know if you guys saw the video today that WWE put out, but like Pat McAfee and Michael Cole, they, they put out a video of uh, clearly some sort of camera on the desk looking up at them the moment that she cashed in. And there was like genuine excitement and joy from those two, but that doesn't do much for the care, you know, like again, like, that's not a that's not a television character. Like that's great that you're liked by your coworkers, but it's not a character that maybe she can build on. Otherwise, right now she's the one remaining person from the Riot Squad. You know, like that's that, that's about it for Liv Morgan. Where yeah, she's been in a hodgepodge of tag teams over the last year, yeah. year and a half, and now she's finally getting the singles push and is getting a big one in that she's now the SmackDown Women's Champ. Well, I mean, I, I think it also goes to, we've talked about their lack of storytelling and developing outside of, you know, their main picture. The stat going around, August of 2017, the last time the SmackDown Women's title didn't involve two women, or at least one that was part of the four horsewomen. 
the fact that it involved Ronda and Liv, like that was a big deal because no horsewoman was involved in that title change. So at least it's fresh blood from that regard. Wow. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I, I agree with you. Yes, it is fresh. I mean, this is kind of like the turning of kind of a new age for the WWE, just having Theory and Liv at the top of the card being able to, you know, to, to succeed. My, my point is, though, is that if you're going to give somebody a championship, you know, let that person be hot. Liv Morgan was not hot leading into Money in the Bank to the point where I don't think any, I don't think any of us picked Liv Morgan to win the Money in the Bank. She wins. Now, the flip side of that is Ronda Rousey, right? So Ronda Rousey hates us. She, she hates every wrestling fan. She thinks we're all marks, and she hates us, and she hates us on social media. So cl- clearly, this is about this is about Liv winning the championship, but also it's about Ronda Rousey turning heel. I believe that's going to happen as well. And that's certainly something worth uh, keeping an eye on going forward over on SmackDown. And maybe some interesting things will actually start happening on SmackDown, which <laughs> they've been few and far between since Roman became a part-time performer and doesn't really show up on Friday nights all that often. So many more things to get into. We are going to be talking with Johnny Wrestling himself, Johnny Gargano, coming up later in the show. But right now, time to get into the other three stories that we want to talk about. And we call it the three count. Brian, what do we have at number one? We'll start on Dynamite last night, another week of heel Christian, sort of crossing that line. This week, taking his aim at Jeff Hardy and his sobriety. So, guys, are the Christian heel promos too much? I'm, I'm going to say no, because they're certainly getting attention, right? You, you want to talk about, you know, go away heat for theory? I mean, there's... There's some cheap heat here for Christian for going after, you know, Jungle Boy's family the way he has, going after his mom, going after, you know, his father who has passed away. And now, like, the only reason for me for Matt Hardy to come out and stop Christian was for Christian to be able to go after Jeff the way that he did. So clearly this is a direction of Christian is just this truth teller who's going to tell uncomfortable truths, at least in his own mind. So that's the character. That's the way they're taking this heel turn for Christian. I think that because there's a hole in the show without MJF, Christian's filling that hole. That's what I believe it is. These are the lines that MJF would usually utilize on this show. The cheap heat, the the digs, uh, the, the thing that makes the crowd go, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. That's what Christian is because Christian has never been that guy. He's never been that guy. He's always been a decent promo. I always thought that Edge was the better promo. But oh, I yeah. just think that this is all about character development for Christian. And actually, this is a lot of truth. I mean, Christian and actually Matt Hardy on, on Dynamite told us told the truth. We're just here for the money. Uh, we're not here to necessarily mentor young talent. We're here for the money. And Christian, by the way, can I just tell you something? <laughs> You know he's a heel when he's wearing a uh, a turtleneck in July. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, serious, it's hot as hell. It's July. He's wearing a turtleneck and a jacket. He's wearing fall wear in July. So clearly that's the heel look for Christian. But I think that this is where MJF would definitely come in and do those kind of promos. I think Christian's just filling the bill right now. Yeah, see, I don't know if it's because we've seen another side of Christian where MJF as that heel, that you know, line teetering heel is all we know is MJF. It doesn't feel real with Christian, and it does feel sort of cheap and WWE-esque. Like, to take those low blows, to go to that area where, hey, your father's dead. Hey, your brother's an alcoholic. And that doesn't really feel like something AEW is doing, and it just feels off with Christian being that guy. Like, I would be more okay if it was MJF. I don't know what it is, but it just feels off right now with him. Would it, do you think with time, if he continues to do this to other members of the roster, it's going to feel better? Or just because, like like you guys said, the backlog of Christian and right. who we know Christian to be, like it, it almost feels like, not to the same extent, like, but if John Cena suddenly shows up heel when he's going to be the next time in WWE, like right. eh, something feels a little off here. Yeah, I think it's because of all that stuff. Like when Roman turned heel, he wasn't going this approach. He's just like, hey, I'm the best. Like, all right, I can get behind booing that. Whereas Christian, it is like, I feel like we're a week away from insert town's team here. Like, hey, they suck. They don't win a championship. Like, it right. just feels off with him. Well, listen, if you want to keep going in that route, if you're Christian, at some point you got to get in the ring. But here's the thing, though. After all those promos and after all that negativity and all that shooting, right, shooting with the audience, when he, once he gets in the ring, does it get over? Or everybody, the, the crowd respects Christian because of his lengthy career in, in wrestling. When he does get his comeuppance, 
will the crowd pop? Will people be happy to see Christian get his ass whooped? Or will they just be looking at it like a normal match? Now, at least this is building towards something. At least it's different uh, from Christian's standpoint. But as I said, we've seen this already in AEW. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm shocked by Christian because this type of, of shooting on people is kind of part and parcel with AEW, with MJF. So I just want to know, uh, Gabe, does it get over? that if, if When Christian gets in the ring finally against Jungle Boy or Matt Hardy, what is that? What is, how do you think the crowd's going to react? Yeah, I'm curious because I mean they've got a long. I, I'm curious to see how long because the, the big put you know payoff is going to be Jungle Boy, but I wonder how long they're going to push that off because Jungle Boy is clearly going to have to get through Luchasaurus first before he gets to Christian. That's just how this is going to have to go. And who knows how long they keep Jungle Boy off of TV to kind of keep building towards that. So, I, I mean, we, we honestly, we could probably go five to six weeks without seeing Christian in the ring as he continues to cut these promos. And then somebody in the ring is going to be Luchasaurus with Christian just doing the managerial thing on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, we're two months away from All Out, which you assume that's maybe the goalpost they're aiming for. So... I don't know if it has that because they're doing it every week. You know, a lot of times with the AEW stuff, they will pull guys back. We don't see them every week. Feels like we're seeing Christian every week since this happened, since this turn. Turtleneck, boots, jacket in <laughs> July. Good, that, that's, that's a heel right there, brother. Heel that's 101. <laughs> that's how you do it. Gabe, make sure you come to the show next week with a hot turtleneck in July. Because that works, okay. right? I, I don't know if I have a turtleneck, but I'll see. <laughs> I'll see what I can find for next week, certainly. Um, from one of the biggest heels now in AEW to one of the hottest baby faces for number two, Brian. That's right. Last night on Dynamite, Wardlow wins his first AEW title. He beats Scorpio Sky to win the TNT title. What do you want to see out of this Wardlow TNT title run? Wardlow is the biggest victim of Forbidden Door. I feel like it's really kind of cooled off because MJ, like him and MJF were the hottest thing in AEW. Like that, that blow off feud. And then for MJF to take the 10 power bombs the way that he did at double or nothing, you know, it was fantastic. The crowd was incredibly hot. And Wardlow then was kind of put on this back burner. You know, they didn't want to put him in, even though they could have, they didn't want to put him in that picture for the interim you know, AEW championship. He wasn't in any of the, the the little brackets and tournaments that they did that eventually led to John Moxley winning it at Forbidden Door. So that month, like, Wardlow was just kind of in the background. And I feel like last night should have been bigger. And they did the confetti and it just didn't, and the crowd was into it, but it didn't feel the way it felt six weeks ago at Double or Nothing. Um. So why did Scorpio Sky have to lose Wednesday night? So so what is that reign? Because it's like two-time TNT champion, and it's like that was a nothing reign to but, me. What was to what add that, to that all about? I looked it up today. He was champion for 70 days for the second run. Oh, well, then he just didn't have any <laughs> right. matches of significance then. I mean, that's what it is. It was it wasn't name me the big the biggest biggest match while he was champion. I can't come up with one. Where it, it was, was like a the Guevara feud, which didn't do much for me. But that was probably the biggest feud. The first one with the Frankie match. Like did they have a rampage match or something? Like Yeah, mean I mean much, but. Well listen, I mean Wardlow's over, I understand. Yep. It just like it just seems sudden for Scorpio Sky. And then on top of that, I don't know, like if he'll ever be a singles champion again. They they had him, but you say for seventy days, and the second time around, it just didn't seem significant. Um, and so with Wardlow, you know that out of the, he's a top five over guy in the company. So this, uh, I hope that he has a lot of great matches while he's champion because he gets some of the biggest pops in the company. What do you guys think the TNT title represents? Because in WWE, like the Intercontinental Championship, for, you know, it may not be true anymore, but, you know, people talk about it like that's the work rate championship, right? Like you can work, Intercontinental Championship is the one you want. And I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. It just kind of gets ignored on WWE television as of late. But what's the TNT Championship? Like what does that represent within the AEW world? 
I mean, I think it's that. I think it's what you said, but it needs to get back to that. Like, it hasn't been – like, looking over the last four reigns were just the bouncing back and forth between Sammy and Scorpio. Like, since Cody had the belt and he lost in that ladder match and sort of his AEW farewell, like, it needs to get back to that. You have another title now that Pox a champion, and you wonder what that's going to be. But this needs to get it back to that. Like, Wardlow needs to be that guy to bring it back there. Yeah, I feel like the TNT Championship is like – I'll remember it at, at least at this point as Cody's title sure. or maybe Sammy Guevara's title. I thought that Sammy did a lot with it for the, the short time he had it as well. But what about Brody's title? Because yeah. that's the way they – the way they market it is it's Brody's title. And yeah. I think they've kind of struggled with that because – like they're trying to figure out what the legacy of this is. And they did something last night since they were in Western New York for Brody Lee and his family. And, and his son was in the ring with, um, with the dark order, but it, it seems like that's the legacy that they want, but they don't know how to necessarily get there. Now here's what's funny about that though, Gabe. So Tony Khan was the first one to chirp about the WWE and the way they're lo- using their intercontinental championship. You know, some just see this as just another championship. We believe the TNT Championship is going to be very, very important to our company. And it is and it isn't. And again, this is what happens when you're a young company. You can talk all the shit you want about WWE and what they are doing, what they're not doing. But what are you doing, right? In a company that's just based on matches and not stories, um, if you if you create a TNT Championship, do something with it. Like, And hopefully it starts here uh, with Wardlow because he's over. And I can see him being a champion for a while because I don't know who's beating him outside of MJF who will be returning it at some point, right? Yeah, I honestly don't know. Route. Yeah, I guess I, that's fair. I honestly don't know if MJF is returning. And there was an interview that Wardlow did where he threw MJF under the bus and called him a real piece of shit. So, like, yeah, I, it, I don't know if that's a work. I don't know if it's shoot. I have no idea what's going on with MJF right now, which kind of makes it exciting, but also terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I feel like with him, they're waiting for Punk. Like, MJF Punk is the next route. Like, eventually when Punk gets back and gets the world title. Like, I get what you guys are saying. I agree Wardlow was hurt by Forbidden Door. But I think that moment last night, and maybe it was just a good crowd, but, like, it felt like a big moment. Not just the confetti, but the crowd felt super into it. Even with all the, like, ATT stuff that no one really seemed to care about, Scorpio Sky not being that monster heel, like, it still felt like a big moment. So maybe we get more of that out of Wardlow, and maybe we see every week he's defending that title. So, so if uh, Scorp wins that, does he get the confetti too, or no? No. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. Don't be oh, ridiculous, Jay Hood. Come on. I thought I thought it was the confetti championship. I thought, uh, <laughs> whoever wins gets a confetti. Gets a confetti shower. My bad. The first time champ confetti. Come on. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> I, I I get it. First time, you know what? I think that is a thing in AEW. Yeah, <laughs> because because didn't uh, didn't uh, the TBS Women's Champion get that as well? I think so. Yeah. I don't, did Pac get it at Forbidden Door? I don't remember that. He doesn't seem like a confetti guy. No. Yeah. I, I get, no, I, you can't do that. Pac yeah. Pac would like just rip up the medal like with his bare hands and rip up the China championship <laughs> belt and walk out. It wouldn't be great if he did the confetti thing with for Pac. Uh, let's go to number three in the three count, Brian. Guys, PW Insider today reporting that Sasha Banks and Naomi have both been removed from WWE's internal roster. Both are still on WWE.com. So where do we see so- Sasha and Naomi next? See, I I, kind of like what WWE is doing here because usually, I mean, there have been so many reports like, oh, she's been, Sasha's been released. Oh, but she's still listed internally. Now we get the report that they're not listed internally. And maybe we're getting a page out of the WWE playbook because usually when they release somebody or a new page in the WWE playbook, I should say, because usually when they release somebody, you see the press release, best of luck in your future endeavors. But obviously there is some turmoil on both sides. On the AEW side, when they release someone, when someone's contract expires, typically we hear from the talent. We don't see a press release from AEW. You know, I, it, they, they did something a little more with Cody, and that was a little bit more public just because, well, he helped found the company. But for the most part, you know, we saw it with Alan Angels. Like, he's the one who told us that his contract expired. So WWE probably doing themselves a favor and like, hey, let's not call attention to this. If they released him, they released him. We're not going to be the ones to put it out there. So I'm thinking that between the two, Naomi comes back. And I don't know about SummerSlam, but I think that I see her coming back. They'll rene- renegotiate a deal. 
but I don't even know what that is though. Like, so what does Sasha and Naomi want? Let's start there. What do they want? What do they What do they want? I mean, so they felt like they shouldn't have been uh, putting people over. They already were the the what the SmackDown Women's Tag Team Champions. No, just and the so, women's tag team champions in general. Okay, the women's tag team champions, and so they felt like as they shouldn't be split up and putting two other people over. Okay, so if they weren't able to return, exactly what do they want? And that's the, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think they wanted those belts to mean something, and their walkout, which was May sixteenth, we haven't seen those belts since then. So I think it's sort of justified with like. Oh, yeah, we don't really have a women's tag team division. So them coming back doesn't equal the women's tag titles all of a sudden becoming a thing. Like, they just disappear at that point. But I, I don't know. Like, outside of that, like, we've seen Sasha in big moments, not the biggest. Naomi has busted her ass and gotten to where she got to. So I think it's just more of, I don't even know if it's equal footing, but just something to make sense. Like, creative to make sense, which I know is a lot to ask for in that world. Well, I mean, this is reportedly the second time that Sasha's had issues with the way that right. she's been booked as a tag team champion. You know, there were reports when her and Bailey were tag team champs and, you know, they, they just don't, they don't care about the, I mean, if they don't care about the men's tag team division, which right. is a big criticism of WWE, then of course they don't care about the women's tag team division. Like they're, they're barely keeping up and, and figuring out new feuds for the main women's titles. As Brian pointed out, it was the first time since what, five years, first time yes. in five years that a SmackDown women's championship changing hands didn't involve one of the four WWE horsewomen. Like that's yeah. They, they need to develop a little bit more depth there. And they clearly, you know, they'll, they'll have the women's tag team championships when it's convenient for them, but it's not going to be very often. You know, for both of them, if they care to go to AEW, they could do that because at least you get some fresh, fresh matches. Like, I don't think it's controversial for us to say on GKW that there probably shouldn't be women tag team champions. There's just not, not enough talent there. Sorry. Sure. Unless you're calling up NXT women who are completely green and completely not ready unless you're bringing nxt uk uh women over and forming tag teams there fd you just don't have enough quality real tag teams to actually have tag team champions game and i would love for them to have that kind of talent and that kind of depth within that division but they also got rid of the iconics who are an actual tag team so now most of the women's tag team champions that if you look down the list it's just a hodgepodge of women being thrown together you know, when you think of tag team wrestling, I don't think you really think of Sasha and Naomi. Right. You know, like with Sasha and Bailey, I could make that make more sense because like, I know that they're friends. I know that they're very close with one another. But like most of the women tag team champions that they've had are just kind of, you know, you know, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Like what? Like that's a right. tag team? Okay. Yeah. You know, so they, they just don't have that depth of talent right now because they've released a lot of that talent. So it, to me, it makes sense if they don't bring the women's tag team championships back because they just, they don't have a roster for it right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. their frustration makes sense. We see it. We see it happening even since they left, but like Sasha and AEW to me is a game changer. Like it's maybe top five of their signings ever because it completely changes that division from night one. And, you know, while they continue to add and they're trying to get better, we see them doing a lot more tag team stuff. I, I feel like at this point, don't rule out if they have women's tag titles by the end of the year. But, like, Sasha going there is really a game changer for that company. If Sasha goes there, I think it's their biggest signing because she has outside of wrestling appeal with what she's done. And I think that, yeah. that, can, that can help AEW. And that's fresh matches, guys. That's fresh matches. Like, I've seen everything I need to see. And so, you know, to see Sasha against um, against Tony Storm in AEW, to be able to see Thunder Rosa against, you know, uh, Sasha Banks and some of the others. And I know, listen, it's not like the AEW women's division is perfect. You know, there, there are some young independent wrestlers that are learning how to be able to get into the rigors of, of wrestling uh, every week on television. But I think that's a really good roster. You get some fresh matches in. I think I would have no problem with that. But just, you know, I, it's it's interesting how the internet looks at both of them, Naomi and Sasha, because they're so behind them. They feel like they've been screwed. No matter what Sasha and Naomi do or what they say, they feel like, hey, you know, take care of them. Because remember, this all started with the give the divas a chance, give women wrestling a chance. And it's just typical Vince to say, okay, we'll give you a chance. And then you're not really giving them a chance. 
And so that's, I think that's problematic. I think that you could have solid women's matches and solid men's matches all on the same card and, and have fun with it. Absolutely. So let's go ahead because again, we're about 10 minutes away now from Johnny wrestling joining us here on GKW. Uh, we forgot to do this last week. So I want to make sure we get to it this week because there were a lot of good matches, but what do we have as your match of the week from the last seven days? Bruins. I'm going to the weekend street profits and Usos. Like we've seen a lot of those two. And it's sort of, you know, the way I watch WWE now is because of booking like that. Those guys are in the ring every Monday, every Friday in a tag match, in a singles match, in a 22-man match. It's always some variation of Street Profits and Usos for about four months straight. And, I, you know, I fast forward to that because, like, I don't need to see it every week. But then they deliver when they have that moment. Those two, those four guys, they really starred on Saturday. And I know everyone's saying Montez Ford is that guy. But I think Angela Dawkins deserves some respect also. Like, not everyone has to be Michael and Janetti. They could be Edge and Christian. So, like, I think eventually there might be two stars there. That's very good. That's yeah. very good. Someone's got to be Robert Gibson. Someone's got to be Jim Neidhart. I understand. That's very good. That's very well said, bro. It's, it's true. But, but, but you know what? Gabe, he's right. Um, and I'll give you mine in a second. But I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's pretty clear that uh, Angelo Dawkins – seems less than but i think that i don't see that i thought on what well, we saw the last few shows on money money in the bank and also on uh on the television raw or smackdown dawkins is stepping up big time i i really like what i've seen there from him um so i like that i will i have usos and street profits written down too i just hate the finish that's all the finish wasn't very good uh but that matchup they i mean they they've got it down those four for for a company that doesn't care about tag team wrestling, <laughs> it's amazing how, I mean, the Usos are, are probably the greatest tag team in the history of the WWE because they haven't been broken up for 12 years. Like, they've somehow found a way to keep them together in a company that always wants to break up tag teams. They're now the undisputed champs. And, like, between the Usos, the Street Profits, and when healthy, the New Day, like, those are three tag teams that any combination I'm probably going to be all in on the matches. Like, cause we've seen Usos and new day have matches like Usos and street profits did on Saturday all the time. It's, it's literally with those three teams. I, I would just fight forever, man. Like I am all in on those two tag teams. just fight forever because they somehow find a way to make all the, all the times they faced each other when they do it on the pay-per-view when they, or excuse me, premium live events. I apologize. Yes, premium be live careful. Events. Premium live events because then it's a house show with cameras. Remember that. That's what, that's what it is. Remember, be careful. When they end up facing off at the premium live events, they deliver. Like, I can't think of a bad, uh, the last time I saw the Usos take on the street profits or the new day, on one of those events for WWE and being disappointed because they just deliver. But it's Bro, even up? more baffling that they do that and then you yeah. have the revival shaving each other's backs. Well, no, like, and here and here's that up. Well, here's the thing that sucks, right? Like yeah. the Street Profits just put on a show. We we all agree that Dawkins is underrated. We all agree that Montez Ford probably has that look and is probably going to be a single star for Vince. Mm -hmm. But they go back on Monday and they're doing a a hot dog, you know, yeah. Angelo's doing a hot dog eating contest against Otis. Like, what are we doing? Like, why well, we don't have to do that with these guys? Like, they can no, don't get me wrong, like they're versatile. Those two guys can do the comedy stuff, they can do the serious stuff, but I'd like to see a little bit more serious and kind of phasing out the backstage random holiday, whatever hijinks and, and putting them in there. That's the Vince McMahon humor, goddammit. You gotta have yeah. someone throwing up on someone. That's what he loves. You gotta have that, man. It's written for Vince. It's not written for anybody else. It's not written for kids. It's not written for anybody else except for Vince. He loves the throw up vomit humor or what and bathroom humor. I like that too. Um, and Gabe, you're so right, by the way, on Montez Ford. Got shout out to Montez Ford. 20 pounds of muscle. He's getting for ready for that singles run, baby. You see those arms? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so funny how that works. You walk you walk into that company, Cody's went through that, Punk went through that. It's like Vince wants people to be bigger. So I'm gonna give put on 20 pounds of muscle. I see the arms, man. But you know what? Dawkins is like, F that, you're not leaving me behind. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do something around here. So I like that. I, well, I, I wish they would do sorry, I wish like the breakup that's obviously inevitable, like 
why not just not break them up? Let them just split up and like do a thing. I know that's not the Vince way, but where you don't have to have one get squashed on the way out. I'm voting for, uh, along with the Usos and Street Profits, I'm, I'm voting for Theory and Lashley. I thought that those two, I didn't know how that was going to work. I, you could just see Chicken Shit Heel against Bobby Lashley, who was over. The number one baby face at Money in the Bank was Lashley. And, of course, I mean, look at the card. Lashley had to be the, the biggest draw there. I mean, it's, and that's no shot at Lashley, by the way. I'm not trying to – all I'm saying is, is that look at the card – Lashley winning the championship, that crowd popped for him. That was a pretty good match. It's better than I thought it was going to be. It surprised me. Again, here is uh, here is Lashley winning the championship. You see Theory is a chicken shit heel, you know, trying to get away, trying to match power for power. And I thought they told a good story. I liked it. I like where they've gotten with Bobby Lashley as well, because I think of when he first came back and they wanted to make him a baby face and they didn't know how to do it. Like he had some awkward segments with his family involved and Sami Zayn. Like it was just weird. Like it was just weird. And then they finally made him that heel with MVP, gave him the championship. And now that he's gone through that and come out the other side of his feud with MVP, he's just like this badass baby face. Cause that's all he needs to be. Look at this man. He fought in mixed martial arts. Like, yes, he can literally kick anybody's ass. Like I, I, I hope we do eventually get the him versus Brock Lesnar thing going, you know, for real. Um, but yes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad. I'm really glad where they've gotten to a point where he can be that baby face and, and just kind of let him be that, that, at, that, that, that guy who just goes out there and kicks ass. Another one I'll throw out there is Moxley and Brody King from last night. Like, obviously not a classical match, but I thought that was fun. Brody King getting that opportunity, I think, is a big deal. And, like, I, I thought those two delivered. And Mox didn't even have to bleed, bleed on a yeah, Wednesday. I mean, Mox didn't bleed. If Mox didn't bleed, did he actually have a match? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know. He, he wasn't bleeding profusely from somewhere in his face. And by the way, that was Brody King, not Brody Lee, Jr. Brody Lee is dead. Yes. I mean, Excalibur he, tried he, to save, and it was so weird and awkward. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm surprised he didn't say Brody Clay at some point. <laughs> Brody Clay. <laughs> That's right. I mean, seriously. I, mean, I, I, I heard that, and I said, Jr. The man has passed away. Yeah. It's not Brody Lee. It's Brody King. Uh, Jr. What else do we have in news notes before we get to Johnny Wrestling? We have 26 years ago today, July 7th of 1996, this happened. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north. And everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? Watching back that promo, like, it's really impressive that he's able to roll with literally all that trash being thrown at him. <laughs> Typical Daytona. There's so much trash. Daytona, Florida. There it is, right in your state there, bro. It's... Daytona, Florida. There you go. I mean, but just not surprising right at all. There. History. Who was this supposed to be originally? They were talking Sting. That's not. Now think about that history. If Sting was going to turn it, it had to be Hogan, though. To really make it work, it had to be Hogan. What a great moment in wrestling. Hogan turning heel. I mean, people thought that would never happen. And he and Hogan didn't want to do it either because he thought the money would be leaving him. Like, I can't leave this money, brother. Like, no, you're going to make actually a hell of a lot more merch wearing black and white. Yeah, that, that was a hell of a moment. Like I said, 26 years ago already. So I think they got celebrated in the wrestling world. Other stuff in the WWE world. Pat McAfee has signed a multi-year extension with the WWE. And give me sport reports that talks are ongoing with former boxing heavyweight champion Tyson Fury to return to the WWE this summer. 
Not shocking with McAfee. I mean, it just seems like a match made in heaven, the way that he's willing to sell, you know, everything, you know, showing up at the uh, at the UFC event after money in the bank with the neck brace on after, you know, and again, it was a tack that wasn't even on the premium live event. It was like leaked to social media and it's now on YouTube and he's selling the injury with the neck brace. Like, he's really enjoying his time. He's doing a great job on Friday nights. He's done a great job when they've asked him to go into the ring as well. Not shocking that Pat McAfee is going to continue to be in the WWE business. Absolutely. Congratulations to Pat McAfee, who's actually was able to breathe some new life into Michael Cole, quite frankly, because uh, Pat McAfee is like no color analyst that we've ever heard. It's like a fan just sitting there, yeah. just going through it and doesn't have any like rehearsed lines. I think for once, Vince McMahon is allowing him to be himself. And we, it comes through. It shines through on the Fox broadcast. So Michael and Pat do a really good job on SmackDown. I enjoy it. Tony Khan says on Busted Open on SiriusXM that Santana's injury could be, quote, relatively long injury. Yeah, it looked like an ACL, um, at least, again, to my untrained eye. Just seeing I know, enough sports injuries that when the knee buckles like that, it's never going to be a good thing. And then you hear couple that with it could be a long time. It looks like 2 plus 2 equals 12 months ACL. Yeah, um, uh, hopefully he'll be able to turn sooner. I mean, that I we saw the injury of blood and, blood and guts, and it didn't look good at all, guys. I'm hoping the best for him. I've seen him in, in uh, the indies. I know, bro, it's, you've probably seen some indie stuff with him, too. There's a guy here that could be a singles in the future. I think he's just that good. And I think they've missed an opportunity not putting the tag titles on him and Ortiz yet. Like, I think those two have been so over. Like, I thought it was going to be Grand Slam show last year. Like, do it in New York. Give them the tag straps. Those two deserve a run in AEW. Yeah, and, and who knows if that happens now, if he's going to be out for a year, because so much can change, obviously, within a year in the wrestling business. All right, we are excited for it. It is time. Now, we, we recorded this yesterday, so we're all kind of wearing some different stuff. But it's a great interview. We really hope you enjoy it. Here he is, Johnny Wrestling on GKW. And once again, with Good Karma Wrestling, we are excited, excited to welcome in today's guest to this edition of GKW. It is none other than Johnny Wrestling himself. It is Johnny Gargano. Johnny, welcome. Hi. To How GKW. you guys doing? How you guys doing? Awesome. We're doing great, man. How are you? How's fatherhood treating you? I'm living the dream, man. Living the dream. Uh, every day is a new adventure. Uh, but like, I, I'm so thankful that I get this opportunity to have this time and to be able to enjoy this first five months of being a dad. Well, Johnny, one thing we do know is that your bundle of joy is a heel and we can send it all to the wrestling sheets because your, your uh, son is biting you on the nose. He knows yeah. how to break on four uh, because he'll be disqualified on five. You've yeah. already seen that biting you. Yeah. You he, he, bit, he bites my nose on a frequent basis. I'm it's probably my problem. I taught him that. <laughs> Uh, I always reference it as the penguin in the Batman movie from when I was younger. Uh, but uh, also, I would like to say he did claim another victim today as he he's a bit Indy Hartwell's nose as well. So uh, he's on a rampage. He's unstoppable. <laughs> I do imagine it must feel good, though, to be someone that's trending on social media what feels like every other week. And your body's not being put on the line that much outside of, you know, baby interaction. Yeah. Yeah. I make the joke all the time that uh, whenever anyone asks me like, oh, what am I currently doing? What am I doing? And I say I'm currently uh, performing for diaper change pro wrestling. Uh, that's what I'm doing all the time. Uh, the majority of my days are spent changing diapers and I wouldn't have it any other way right now. But yeah, it's, it, I'm very thankful that people miss me and they want to see me again. It's a, it's a good problem to have. Well, one of those was you, you got out in front of it before Forbidden Door because you happened to be in Chicago for something else the same day. Yeah. Was that, were you getting a lot of inquiries about that? And that's why you felt like, okay, I actually have to get out in front of this. I knew. And when I saw the date got announced, I was like, oh man, this is going to become a thing uh, as soon as I saw that. And then it kind of just became, I, I, I'm a big believer in bits and just really just committing to the bit. And uh, I love the fact that no matter what I was doing, no matter what I was saying, people were making up their mind on what I was doing next in my life. Even though I've been very adamant about how I'm going to enjoy fatherhood, I'm going to take a couple of months off, take as, take as long off as I need to take off that I feel like I need to mentally and physically. Uh, but I, it really, it became a really fun bit to where I was like, I'm just going to tell 
the absolute truth of everything I'm doing this weekend. I am flying in at this time. I'm going to be there for eight hours. And then I'm going to take a picture on the airplane and say, I'm leaving now. I'm literally on the airplane flying home. Here is my flight information. I am going. <laughs> and people were still like, ah, no. See, he wouldn't say it if he wasn't going to show up. It's all a ruse. I'm like, nah, it's not. I literally bought a – because I made a joke that I'm going to buy uh, – I'm going to get a newspaper. And they still make those, believe it or not. Uh, I was going to get a newspaper, and I was going to post a picture of me with my kid with it. And I did buy a newspaper and MCO when I landed. <laughs> But I was like, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I accomplished what I needed to. Johnny, tell us about your experience with NXT. I think all of us, all the three of us, and the fans that are watching and listening really enjoyed your time at NXT. What was your experience like, personally? Uh, it was a dream come true, man. You know, like I was, a, I was when I was younger, obviously my dream was to wrestle for WWE. Uh, a lot of us, that's our dream. That's our, We want to get to that stage. And to get a chance to go there and not only – uh, tell the stories I got a chance to tell with Tommaso and Adam Cole and Andrade, but have the matches I got a chance to have. And I mean, like for someone like me and my size, uh, you know, I, you don't look at me and I'm never the first pick overall. I'm never the guy you look at and you're like, I'm going to build your company, my company around this guy. That's not me, but I do ultimately end up getting a foot in the door and I kick that door down and I take that place over no matter where it is. And I got really, really lucky to be able to be in a locker room with some of the best talent in the world, uh, some of the best coaches in the building, some of the best producers in the world, some of the best all-around people in the world. And it's a time that I'm going to remember with very fondly because, it, like, honestly, it just it was a time in my life. You look back on that time, one of your first tag title shots against the Revival, now known as FTR, as a wrestling fan, what's it like watching those two and the run they're currently on as the best tag team in all of pro wrestling? It's awesome to see, man. And it's something that I could have told you a long, long time ago. Uh, FTR, Revival, whatever you want to call them, they've been one of the best tag teams for a very, 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 very long time. And me and Tommaso were lucky enough to have that series with them where we did take over Brooklyn then take over Toronto and have those tag team matches uh, with those two guys, because for my money, they are the best tag team in the world currently. And I, I always, I said for a very, very long time, and I still do believe this uh, FTR and young bucks are just once in a generation tag teams. And we're very lucky to be uh, living in a generation where we get to watch them perform. We are talking with Johnny Gargano. You can check him out with StarCast 5 in Nashville, July 29th, 30 to 31st. What's next with Johnny Gargano will be on Sunday, 2.15 p.m. Central. All this information can be found at StarCast.com, and all of StarCast programming can be ordered on Fight TV. So going back, Johnny, to you, you were talking about, you know, hey, you're not over that, that first pick overall, but who are, are some of the guys that you look to for inspiration? Who are the guys you looked up to when you were getting into this business? Oh, I mean, obvious answer. And everyone, I think a lot of people from my generation have this answer. Uh, Shawn Michaels was a guy that I loved growing up. He was my hero growing up. And the chance that I, the opportunity that I not only got to uh, work side by side with him, but form a friendship with him and a relationship that we still have to this day where I can still text him and, you know, we can chat here and there and see how each other are doing. I get a chance to meet, I brought my child, I brought Quill to meet Shawn, to meet his grandpa Shawn. Uh, at the performance center uh, a couple months back, and the fact wait, that wait, 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 that. not Uncle Sean, Grandpa Sean, Grandpa Sean, yeah, because he's like, his grandpa, not my grandpa. Uh, <laughs> he's, like, right. he's like my wrestling dad, so he's Quill's <laughs> grandpa. I see. Yeah, not not my grandpa. He might he's my he's my wrestling dad. Uh, then obviously Sean and you know Hunter as well. Sean and Hunter, for my money, are two of the absolute best. Uh, minds in wrestling uh and the fact that i got to work side by side with both of those guys and learn so much from both of those guys and still have a relationship with e-generation x today is still amazing to me they're uh like they literally like they text me happy happy father's day like it's it's i'm very very lucky to have that with those two guys because they're just genuinely great people as well uh so sean hunter like chris jericho was a guy that i loved growing up a lot he was my number two kurt angle um, so a lot of guys that I, I really had a, uh, I really enjoyed, as I can say, the work rate guys. <laughs> if you can go in the ring, there's no, no wonder my style, but uh, the smaller work rate guys always held a special place in my heart. So uh, Sean, Jericho, and Kurt were always three guys that I always liked a lot. Johnny, uh, on Wednesday nights, it was busy for wrestling fans to be watching AEW NXT and trying to figure out 
which show was best and what you DVR. How much was what AEW was doing affecting the NXT product uh, from week to week? It didn't affect any of us, honestly. Like, we all just put our heads down and did our job. Like, we have friends over there. I still have friends there. I have, we had friends, especially at that time, on both sides. So it wasn't something like we were like, they're doing this. We got to do that. It was just something like, hey, like, we're in a really cool time in professional wrestling where there's two shows on television. Let's try to make the best of this and put out the best wrestling show possible. And I think it's very lucky for wrestling fans that there was just good wrestling on TV because for a long time there was only two shows on. But now there's so many shows on and so many options. So we're literally living in, like, a golden age where there's so much to pick from. When you look back on that, how crazy is it for you being in the middle of it, seeing these programs build and seeing so many guys and girls that you worked with for so long? It's awesome. You know, it's one of my favorite things, the fact that a lot of these guys that I was in the locker room with, we, I've known them for, I'm going to say like 10 years at that point. Like we used to wrestle in VFW halls in front of 10 people, not even just in AEW, but NXT as well. Like me and Adam Cole wrestled many times in front of like 50 people at random indie shows. And like now we are, we're selling out in, in like having one of the biggest gates, the biggest gate in NXT history at Barclays Center. Like over well over a million dollar gate me and Adam Cole made uh at, at Takeover New York. And like literally like eight years earlier we were wrestling in front of five like fifty people in uh middle of nowhere in California. So it's really cool to be in a locker room with those guys and look around and be like, man, I can't believe this all happened. I can't believe we made this possible. But it's it's the coolest thing. So when you look at the new direction of NXT, like as a wrestling fan, what do you feel about it? Because obviously, I mean, you just mentioned so many wrestling fans love that time, the the, yeah. the black and gold of NXT, and now they've gone to NXT 2.0. So when you look at that, how do you compare and contrast the two? I don't think you can compare them, honestly. I think it's a completely different product. They're doing something completely new, something completely uh, different than what the black and gold era was, which, I mean, I, I totally understand it. You know, uh, they, they they went to more of a strictly developmental program, which I totally get. They're building people for the future. And they have a lot of great gems there and a lot of people that should turn out and hopefully become superstars one day. Like, I've been very on record of saying guys like Braun Breaker, uh, Cora Jade, uh, Roxanne as well, uh, like a lot of those, a lot of those guys on that show, like um, Cora Jade and Roxanne in general, have a special place in my heart because they're kind of just like me. They were fans growing up that dreamed of wrestling for WWE, dreamed of doing this, and now those two girls are getting their opportunity to go out there and live their dream and show their passion to the world and make things happen. So I'm super happy to see those two get an opportunity. Um, obviously, Indy Hartwell is still there. She's my daughter, and I think the world of her, I think she is a superstar in every uh, sense of the word. I think she just needs an opportunity, and she's going to shock the world. Um, as much, I mean, like I said, like she's someone that you turn the light on, and she will, she will, man, she will be entertaining. She is not just entertaining in the ring, but as we've seen with the wedding and things like that, I think Indy is such an untapped diamond that they haven't tapped into yet. But then I said, like, Braun Breaker, uh, I, I think he is a stud as well, but everyone knows that. So it, I, I still watch the product. Like, I still watch everything. I'm a wrestling fan, so I just enjoy things as they come. Johnny, one of the reasons why I was so attracted to the NXT product when you were a part of it is because it was heavy on the wrestling and light on the entertainment. You talk mm -hmm. about work rate. It was just yep. something that was just different for the business, especially under the WWE banner. Uh, could you tell us, you mentioned Triple H. I would like for you to dig in a little bit more and tell us about working with Triple H and what that was like because I think a lot of us wrestling fans just gave Triple H the benefit of the doubt and said, boy, he wants to do something completely different with the business. Yeah, I mean, Triple H, you know, he he he's a wrestler, you know. <laughs> I guess it's as simple as I can put it. He's a wrestler. So uh, he enjoys the things that he enjoys, and he loves great matches. And uh, we were very lucky that we were – I was very lucky, I should say, that I was able to be given that opportunity to go out there with, say, an Andrade and have, like, a 30-minute barn burner match. I think at the time, me and Andrade at Taylor Philadelphia, when we did it, was, like, the longest match on pay-per-view in years, in years, and people were – floored by that um but like i said that doesn't happen without triple h triple h is such a visionary and he's someone that you don't really appreciate his genius until you're working side by side with him especially if you're a wrestler uh you don't appreciate someone's mind until you're right there next to him and they 
take your idea and they make it bigger and they make it better. And you kind of see how their thought process works. That's something I have to experience many, many times with Hunter. And um, a lot too, like I know like uh, him and Sean get a lot of flack for stuff they did in the past, but I can tell you like they, Hunter and Sean don't realize they're Hunter and Sean. And a lot of times I have to keep telling like, man, do you guys realize you're Triple H and Shawn Michaels? Because you should, because you absolutely are legends, but they, they treat you like just normal people. They treat you like you're an equal. And like I said, that's the best thing I can say about NXT at the time as well. And the black and gold brand is we really were like a family uh, of just people going out there to love wrestling and making the best of what we got. You talk about that work rate. How fulfilling is it? And almost when you step back and pat yourself on the back that, your kitchen table yourself, your wife, Candice LeRae, you guys are such a hot commodity in wrestling and everyone wants to see you back in the ring. Anytime there's any sort of mystery, you guys are a part of it. How yeah. fulfilling is that for you guys? It's cool. You know, um, and I, I always enjoyed wrestling. I'm, 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 again, I'm very on record. I'm a wrestling fan. I enjoyed wrestling a lot during the Attitude Era as well. When I guess the internet wasn't as wise and there was a lot of uncertainty. You never knew who was showing up where and when and what was going to happen. So anything I can do to try to bring a little bit of that uncertainty to the table and uh, hopefully bring about a cool surprise for people one day, I'm going to try to protect that as much as I can. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for wrestling fans. I wouldn't be like, and it's it's scary. You gotta think about it too. It's a scary thought process of like, I have this guaranteed contract of WWE I could take uh, for a, a lot of money, and I can come back and I could keep doing what I'm doing. But I just knew that with the baby on the way, I didn't want to have anyone else be in control of my time because I'm really only gonna get one shot at this. Me and Candace only plan on having one kid, so I want to be there and try to experience everything I can with Quill for his first year before I do anything else. Cause I, I think I would regret if I missed his first words or uh, if I missed his first steps, if I was out wrestling out of a town somewhere. So I'm very lucky that fans do want to see me and it is scary to step away. Cause you think you're going to be forgotten. So it is a nice reminder. Sometimes every time I trend on Twitter or my name pops up that I haven't been forgotten yet. Well, I'm sure you're going to address more of that. Again, what's next is going to be uh, with Johnny Gargano is going to be a part of StarCast 5 in Nashville. So I'm not going to ask you what's next, but I'm going to ask you what are some dream matches that you still have left, opponents that you want to face? Okay, so are we talking people that I've never wrestled before? Yes. Okay, uh, obviously. So I wrestled a lot of guys. I, I have a list of guys that I wrestled on the indies that I haven't wrestled yet on a big stage. Uh, so I'll get through that list first. Obviously, there's the Brian Danielson. There's the AJ Styles. There's the Seth Rollins. Uh, I've wrestled those guys on smaller indies, but I never wrestled them on a bigger stage. And then when you talk about guys that I haven't had the chance to get in the ring with, one name in particular sticks out in my head, and I mean, it's an obvious one. It's me and Kenny Omega. Uh, I've never wrestled Kenny Omega, and I especially remember uh, wrestle, uh, when I wrestled in 2018 when I went on that crazy takeover run. I would – that run would always be like Johnny's on a different level, him and Kenny. And they always say like Johnny and Kenny, Johnny and Kenny. And I always wondered what would happen if me and him got in the ring together. So Kenny Omega is definitely a dream match of mine. Uh, but also you look at other guys on the other side, like Edge. I've never wrestled Edge. I've never wrestled Randy Orton. Uh, guys that I grew up watching that I'd love to get a chance to get in the ring with. But also like CM Punk. Like it, it, there's, there's like benefits both places. <laughs> so that's kind of where my dilemma in my head's at right now. Is there's there's matches in both places, which is a, is a good good thing to have. But you know, there's a lot of guys that there's a lot of guys that also that maybe aren't dream matches necessarily in the big match sense, but also like guys that I watch and I'm like that could be a fun match one day. So I think wrestling is incredibly lucky that there's so much talent right now. Uh, there's a lot of different places that I can go and a lot of different opponents I still have left to uh, get in the ring with. And it, it, it's it's I'm very lucky too. That I'm only 34. Uh, someone once told me, or I've heard many times, wrestlers enter their prime from 35 to 42. So I could potentially be entering my prime right now. I'll tell you when I come back, but we'll see what happens. Well, you, there's always three matches, but there's always more to do in the business too, Johnny. Is there something in wrestling that you haven't accomplished that you'd like to before you're completely done? Yeah. I mean, the, the obvious answer is I never got a chance to wrestle WrestleMania. Uh 
that was always something on my bucket list. And it still is on my bucket list. Uh, still something in the back of my mind that I haven't done yet. So getting a chance to wrestle at a WrestleMania is something I want to accomplish. Uh, but also, you know, uh, any of those titles over there, you know, I, I know uh, it's, a, it's, it's a usual answer for a lot of guys my size and from my era, but the Intercontinental title, uh, especially like the white strap Intercontinental title that I used to love, uh, that is always something that uh, has been in the back of my mind as well that I love to have one day. But like I said, I'm far from done and I got a lot of time left. When you look at that sort of transition of those companies, how does something like a Cody Rhodes going back to WWE, how does something like that, you know, affect you personally? Uh, I don't know if it affects me. Like, it's nice to see that uh, guys, and I think that is the natural progression of all this stuff, is, you know, guys can hop from company to company. And I think that is necessary. Um, I think if, and I always say wrestling is kind of like a TV show. If, you watch the t- same TV show every single week and the same characters doing the same thing in the same place for very, very long. You kind of get stale. You get stagnant and everything like that. So like the old territory days, I think it's it's time after a while for someone to maybe hop to a different territory. There's fresh matchups, a fresh coat of paint. And that was obviously in my head too when uh, my contract was coming up with NXT. And WWE in general was where I wanted to kind of have a refresh. And I felt like people, knock on wood, I've been very, very lucky to wear – I haven't had any major injuries. So I've been on television in some way, shape, or form for about five or six years, uh, uninterrupted. So I felt like it was a good time to kind of step away, refresh, and let people miss you for a little bit. Because if people don't have a chance to miss you, they won't miss you. So it is a gamble, but it's something that I'm thankful I did. So then also, because for the sake of doing something different, we just saw Forbidden Door with AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. We debated on this show – the show was great, and we knew the show was going to be great, but was it worth AEW kind of pausing some of the things they were doing to try to build some of those matches? So as a wrestling fan, what did you think of the buildup, and what did you think of Forbidden Door? So I enjoyed it. Like I said, I, I enjoyed any of the uh, the cross-promotional things. I think it's a fun uh, show to do, especially when you have the opportunity to do it. Like I said, like any of those dream matches, you would be – I, if you get a chance to do a uh, AEW and New Japan show, you you do it. You know, it's not like they should put things on hold. Anymore, but like, if that opportunity arises, you need to do it because there's so many potential dream matches, and the working relationship they have is great. So I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a wrestling fan. Like I said, I watch everything though, so uh, I don't look at I don't view things through like a like a why did they do this or what they should have done this or they did this. I just try to enjoy everything. I think you enjoy life a lot more when you kind of just you know sit back and take things as they come. Uh, can you believe that the divorce between Baker Mayfield and the Browns is over? Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, so, like I said, I'm a very notable Browns fan, and I love Baker. Uh, any interaction I've had with Baker, Baker's been the man. He's been super cool to me, super cool to Candace. Um, but I do understand where the Browns are going. We'll see how things end up there. I'll always be a Browns fan, but I, I do – I don't want to say I wish – Baker well in his future endeavors because I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I do wish Baker well wherever he ends up. I hope he has a. I hope he goes to a Super Bowl. I hope he wins a Super Bowl. I hope he proves a lot of people wrong because uh, he's always been a top notch dude to me. Outside of wrestling, anyone who follows you on Twitter at Johnny Gargano, you're a big collector. We see it behind you. What's yep. that one sort of nice possession that's sort of the top of your list? You say, "Wow, oh, I actually do have this in my possession." Uh, so I'm really into graded comic books which is kind of a nerdy thing to have uh but i have uh an issue of spider-man 300 graded like a 9.4 uh in my collection which is like my grail comic book item right now uh, i'm a big black suit spider-man fan and my other new thing i'm on is like graded pokemon cards which is a different rabbit hole but like i said any nerdy any nerdy thing as you can see with everything around me uh i'm all about so when, when it comes to comic books, and so I'm, I'm and, and maybe you can make fun of me. I love the Marvel movies. I'm, I'm a big fan of the MCU. Oh, I watch I all the that. stuff. Yeah. But like, so like, because my wife loves Harry Potter, but like won't watch certain Harry Potter movies because like, oh, it's, the book is so totally different. It's so much better. So yep. when you watch the MCU and being such a comic book fan, like, yeah. is there a disconnect there too? Not for me at all. No, I, I realize it's a completely different thing. Like it's, it's a different inter- interpretation of something. 
uh, like I said, there's different interpretations of comic books forever. Like everyone has a different interpretation of a character. So the MCU is kind of its own thing. But I love the MCU. Like MCU is top notch to me. I'm going to see Thor: Love and Thunder like tomorrow. So, so, so trust me. I got all about the MCU. Uh, I go. Me and Candace go. Um, we try to go with the baby now. We we go to every uh, opening night of an MCU movie because for me that's as close to a wrestling fan feeling as I'm going to get being in like a packed theater with all these other nerds and people just nerding out for a show. Like, I feel like that is the closest to a wrestling environment I'm going to get because as a wrestler, I can't disconnect myself from like that. But as an MCU fan, I definitely can. Harry Potter, who he ever beat. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny, we certainly appreciate the time again. uh, Really looking forward to seeing you again. Starcast fives in Nashville, the 29th, 30th, 31st of July. What's next with Johnny Gargano is going to be Sunday, 2.15 p.m. Central. All info of this, all that info can be found at StarCast.com and all of StarCast programming can be ordered on Fight TV. Johnny, thank you so much for the time and joining GKW. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you very much. Thank you, Johnny. Again, awesome to get to talk with Johnny Wrestling. So many more things to talk about next week on that edition of Good Karma Wrestling. What channel's impact?